Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar. Weekdays at 2 on Mile High Sports. And good afternoon. Happy Monday to one and all. This is Sandy and Sean on Mile High Sports 98.1. And, of course, we have our caller and text line open at 303-831-1340. Sean is off today. He will be returning tomorrow, later this week, prior to Game 3 of the Nuggets and the Heat. This time down in Miami, we'll be visiting on Wednesday afternoon with Dr. Rick Perea of Think One, who will uh, offer his assessment of what the Nuggets might have to look forward to in game three and look back on game number two, which we will break down at length today. Our Streaming on milehighsports.com slash listen continues and the free Mile High Sports app. Our producer is, of course, Danny Bailey. And Danny will be uh, jumping in with some uh, observations. We chatted just a little bit. Nothing uh, pre-rehearsed necessarily, but uh, a little bit, as many of you undoubtedly have with the friends and colleagues since the conclusion of last night's game, too. The Nuggets had won seven playoff games in a row. Uh, I don't believe, although I haven't checked this, I know the Nuggets have lost at least seven games in a row over a span of time in the playoffs, but they have not won as many as seven straight games. And some of that has to do with uh, the so-called zigzag theory in the playoffs. Very few teams run off long playoff win streaks. Uh, the Philadelphia 76ers 40 years ago, remember Moses Malone, foe, foe, foe. Well, even the 76ers couldn't quite, though they came close, couldn't quite pull off an undefeated postseason. Everybody gets nicked at some point or another in the playoffs. Sweeps are relatively rare. This is why a lot of us don't forecast sweeps in the playoffs. Uh, there will always be twists and turns in uh, playoff series. I say always, probably revise that for the most part, for the most part. Uh, e- even this year uh, with the Nuggets, uh, obviously they got by the Lakers in four straight. Uh, no moments of crisis, agitation, anxiety in that series whatsoever. Uh, although the Lakers did make a push at winning game three at home, and that would have allowed uh, uh, the home court advantage to continue in that series had the Lakers won game three. Uh, the Nuggets were stopped a bit in games three and four in Phoenix after taking the 2-0 lead in their conference semifinal series. And, of course, they won the three games uh, against the Minnesota Timberwolves that put them ahead three games to none before losing game four in overtime. Last night, only the third regulation game the Nuggets have lost, and they still have not been blown out in these playoffs. Every defeat, every one of the four, has been by nine points or fewer. Uh, last night uh, probably involved more dramatic swings than most 
playoff games do. Uh, the Heat start the game in the first seven minutes, 26 seconds, by going up 21 to 10. Malone calls a timeout, and from there, over the next 11 minutes, 46 seconds, almost an entire quarter, almost a quarter of the game, the Nuggets outscore the Heat 40 to 14 and take a 50-35 lead late in the second quarter. The Heat turn around, and for the next 25 minutes, 32 seconds, a stretch of more than half the game, they outscore the Nuggets 72-45, and they lead 107-95 with 3.14 left in the game. At that point, the Nuggets finish 13-4. Obviously, if you're down 12 and you finish 13-4, you're going to lose, but as the Lakers did in Game 1 of the Western Conference Finals, when LeBron James had a shot to tie the game in the final minute, Jamal Murray got off the final shot of the game last night. It was a three-pointer, a difficult one, but by Murray's standards, one we have seen him make before. But on a night when the Nuggets, apart from Nikola Jokic, did not shoot particularly well, although it wasn't a terrible night from the field, it, that shot might have been less likely to go in than it might have been on other nights when Murray had a better feeling for his shot than he seemed to have last night. So the Nuggets go down 111 to 108, and uh, my sense of this series remains largely the same. Uh, I didn't think the Nuggets were going to sweep. I think they have a terrific chance to win at least one of the two games down in Miami, uh, but the attitude is going to have to change. And when I say attitude, I don't just mean the players. Just as there was a complete overreaction to Denver's game one win, uh, there was, uh, in my view, an equally powerful overreaction to game number two. And as the New York Times pointed out, Michael Malone seems always to be angry. Uh, angrier after losses than after wins, but often only marginally more angry after losses. And the line from the New York Times today was, Michael Malone is the kind of coach who would have left a negative Yelp review after vacationing in Shangri-La. Danny Bailey, you think that's accurate? I thought that was a great line. It's a good line. It's a good line. I think that Michael Malone would be able to find the positive, but he definitely has has trended towards the negative in the first couple games of the finals Hasn't he? And I, I want to bring you in on this because we were chatting before we came on. And we'll have a professional psychologist in here on Wednesday afternoon, and he can more clearly explain perhaps what might have happened to the Nuggets last night. But I'm listening on Saturday to uh, the NBA channel on Sirius XM Satellite Radio, and they're carrying all the press conferences, all the Heat people who spoke, including Eric Spolster, all the Nuggets who spoke, including Mike Malone. 
and especially on the Nuggets side, I listened to almost all of it. And I had a sense because of quotes that had appeared in the Saturday morning paper that Malone's notion between games was to suggest that the Nuggets weren't all that in game one and, in fact, didn't play very well at all. Well, he sort of doubled down on that Saturday, and I found it a little odd. Uh, It was more than an expression of worry to me or one of a kind of warning. I thought it was a declaration. I thought he was stating very clearly what his impressions were of his team in game one. And as time went on, I think he even said at one point last night after the game, well, we got lucky in game one that their shots didn't fall. As if the expectation is that they will shoot as they did last night in most every game, and game one was a complete accident. Well, last night was maybe a progression to the mean, but my question to you is however you characterize his statements on Saturday, were they warranted at all in the wake of, and not that he should have been complacent, but after all, the Nuggets won seven games in a row, and they aren't going to be Rembrandts, every one of them. Right. Yeah, I mean, as I he would say, take the W and move on. Exactly. And it's understandable that maybe game one wouldn't be the cleanest or their best effort because they had been off for so long. So it took them maybe a little bit of time to find that rhythm. But here in game two, I mean, I listened to the press conference earlier from last night, Sandy, and it sounded like a press conference that Michael Malone would have given in November with talking about the effort and talking about buying in on defense. And it's, I think it's one of his main methods of motivation to say that they well, don't play well, but I, I don't I think it always works. I want to pick up on that. You say it's one of his main motivations. My argument against his doing that would be this. It seems to me that's always his fallback position, especially after losses. We stink. We didn't try. And I'm imagining if I were a member of the Miami Heat and I'm listening to him on Saturday, I'm thinking, I don't know if he's motivating his own team or not, but I know I'm motivated because they cleaned their clocks. In game one, we didn't play well at all. And he's saying his team played badly. Maybe we need to show Michael Malone what it really means to make his team play badly. That would be my reaction. I'd be motivated. I'd consider that borderline disrespectful. You win game one by 11 points, and it's a, he takes it for granted and says, not only did we win by 11 points, we won by 11 points playing poorly. Or not playing well, is what he said. We did not play well. And we talked about it before the show, too, Sandy, that it puts a lot of pressure on the players when 
Malone says things like that, that they're not playing well. And obviously we've seen them play at a very high level, but if Malone keeps saying that they're not playing well, even like like we talked about at the beginning of the segment, they were on a seven-game win streak in the playoffs. You can talk about their offense in game one being up and down, and they only scored 45 points in the second half, and he was upset with the second half, much more so than he was with the first half. That was pretty apparent, and I'm trying to be fair here. And they got outscored 50-45 to 45 in the second half, but giving up 50 points and a half is not bad defense. Scoring 45 is bad offense, maybe, but he wasn't criticizing the offense. He was poking at the defense, and they scored 50 points in the second half. You held him to 43 in the first half. Is that it? Now, if you don't hold him to 43, you're playing bad defense? Everybody's going to break down. I mean, Miami broke down defensively last night, especially late in the game. The Nuggets scored 13 points in the last three minutes, 13 seconds of the basketball game. That's not great defense. I don't care what they're in, man-to-man zone, and they did kind of go back and forth depending on the situation. And listen, I thought Spolster coached a magnificent game. He made some fundamental changes after saying, remember, after game one, schemes will not save us. But he changed. He not only changed schemes, he changed his starting lineup. And he put Kevin Love in for Caleb Martin. And Kevin Love, physically at least, can match up with Aaron Gordon. And Aaron Gordon wasn't nearly as frisky last night. Okay, good adjustment by Spolstra. But the Nuggets, when they pushed the pace, went on a 40-14 to run over almost a quarter of the basketball game, had things going well. And actually, if you remember, I would say last night, three out of the four quarters, the Nuggets finished the quarter very well, including the fourth quarter. Their best quarter was the second. The only quarter that they didn't finish well happened to be the second period. When you're up 15 with a little over four minutes to go in a quarter, you expect at the end of the quarter to be up by more than six, do you not? You sure do. They lost a chance there to blow the game open. In the third quarter, they hold Miami to 24 points. If he had defensive complaints about the third quarter, I can't imagine what they were. But they had a chance to blow the game open, and they didn't do it. In spite of Jokic's scoring exploits. And we were talking about this, too. In games in which, in these playoffs, Jokic has scored 40 or more points. The Nuggets are now 0-3. and They are 13-1 and in the other games. Contavious Caldwell-Pope last night fouled twice outside the three-point line. And as I recall, Miami made all the free throws because they only missed two out of 20 all night. They went from two free throw attempts to 20. So if there's a criticism of the defense that I would make, they, they fouled too much.
but I think when you foul as much as they did last night, you're doing so out of anxiety. And my point about Michael Malone last night would be this. All of the comments, declarations before the game, I don't think they serve the Nuggets well. And I think the rage timeouts don't help either. When you see him in these timeouts, you know, they have him mic'd up. And you see him red in the face. And I would ask you only this. And my question for this hour would be, and you can respond however you wish, on our text line and on the phones at 303-831-1340. How did you interpret what Michael Malone both said between games and acted last night? Was he simply worried, and was that worry warranted? Was he making a declaration? Or was he issuing a warning? And if it was a declaration, who was helped by that more? The Miami Heat? or the Denver Nuggets. Malone's declaration being, we did not play well in game one. We'll talk about that a little more as we continue. Sandy and Sean, Mile High Sports. Sean off today. He'll be back tomorrow. Stay with us. Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar, presented by Burnham Law. Hire the winner at BurnhamLaw.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Sandy and Sean on Mile High Sports on this Monday afternoon. Fifth day of June 2023, Nuggets and Heat tied at one game apiece, the first time in these playoffs anyway, that the Nuggets have been 1-1 after two games. However, in their history, in scenarios such as this one, where the Nuggets are playing a best-of-seven series with home court advantage in games one and two, Denver now, Danny Bailey, is 16-3 including game one the other night. However, in game two, the zigzag theory definitely applies. They go from 16 and three to 10 and nine. In game twos following, for the most part, game one win. We said it on Friday. You were with us. I think you concurred. We said game two would be Miami's best chance to win a game in Denver. Did we not? We did. Now, we didn't predict that that would happen. But here's what what my feeling is. Miami in the playoffs shoots about 40% on threes, right? First game, they shot 33%. 
Last night, they shot 49%. What is roughly in the middle between 33 and 49? 41, right? Well, that's roughly what they shoot on average in the playoffs. So if they shot 33%, and it was worse than that for most of the game, they got hot in the fourth quarter from three-point land. And if Malone had left his critique at that and said, listen, we gave up 36 out of the 93 points the Heat scored in the fourth quarter. Our fourth quarter defense wasn't good enough. First three quarters, we gave up 63. I'm sorry, 30 of their 93 points were scored in the fourth quarter. I'm thinking of last night's 36-point fourth quarter for Miami. Game one, 30 of their 93 points came in the fourth quarter. Well, you do the math, almost a third of their points come in one quarter. That isn't good enough. So, to me, even from a psychological point of view, and frankly, coaches have to be part-time psychologists, don't they? Critique the fourth quarter. But don't lump the first three quarters in with the fourth in your critique and say, overall, we didn't play very well. Even say in context, I wasn't thrilled with their offense particularly in the second half. We only scored 45 points in the second half. He even said during a timeout last night, I'm not worried about offense. And I agreed with this statement. I think it was the timeout when it was 21 to 10. He said, I'm not worried about offense. We'll score. We'll score enough points to win. And they scored four more points last night than they did in game one. I agreed with him about that. And their problem earlier in the ball game last night had to do mostly with defense, but basketball is a flow game. And your offense affects your defense, and your defense can affect your offense. And when you're transitioning from offense to defense, we all know that's important. And when you can use your defense to ignite your offense, as they did during that 40-point scoring spree over less than a quarter's time in the first half, helps your defense, right? You're wearing down the opposition because you're running at them. They're back on their heels. They're getting blitzed. You can only call so many timeouts to stop it. And it's their bench. That's doing it. 20 to 5 was the differential in the first half in bench scoring. The game got away from the Nuggets in the last four minutes of the first half and the third quarter when they had opportunities to develop a double digit lead in the third quarter. They had one late in the second, 15 points. But in the third quarter, they had a chance to run it up to 10, 11, or more. Didn't take advantage of it. Only scored 26 points in the third quarter. Even though Jokic was effective, as he was in terms of scoring right throughout the game, finished with 41, they couldn't get anybody else going. And the bench wasn't quite as good, or maybe the Miami bench was a lot better the second time they came in during the second half last night. If you talk about a team that's a 40% 
three-point shooting team. When you get them shooting out of rhythm in game one and they make 33%, they're going to find a way to get the same kind of shots and they're playing with a better rhythm. Wouldn't you agree, Danny, that last night was was, uh, Miami's pace? Absolutely. Certainly in the second half. Right. Yeah, especially with that zone slowing down the Absolutely. Nuggets in offense. The and then, like you mentioned, fourth. not allowing Denver to get out in transition, which is where they thrive, even if that's not necessarily the style that Michael Malone likes to push. But, yeah, the the Heat just dominated the – they dominated the pace. Yep. They put the Nuggets in their game instead of letting the Nuggets play their game. And uh, Jokic mentioned that after the game, too. He yes. mentioned that – Miami put them in their pace, and that's not how the Nuggets like to play. And I think during the course of the game, you the, the terrific hockey commentator Bill Clement back in the day used to talk about this all the time in the playoffs. And Bill Clement played on two Stanley Cup champion teams in Philadelphia during his playing days. And it was... Coming from Bill Clement, who had played with the Broad Street Bullies, a little ironic when he said, regulating your emotions is the key to winning in the playoffs. Playing with emotion, but not playing emotionally is the key to winning in the playoffs. The Nuggets, I thought, in the first game, by and large, certainly for three quarters of game one, played with emotion. Last night, they played emotionally. They did not regulate their emotions. The Heat seem to maintain, whether they're winning or losing, whether they're ahead or behind, they seem to regulate their emotions. You don't see a big change in their body language or their demeanor. You saw last night, Anger from the coach, and I think anxiety from the players. And I'm not saying that everything Michael Malone said after the game last night was wrong. I think we know who he was talking about, to whom he was addressing himself when he talked about playing this like a regular season game and pouting when shots didn't go in. I think we know who he was talking about, right? talking about Michael Porter Jr., who had five points and six rebounds for the evening, was a minus 15 in 26 minutes. Now, Michael Porter Jr. has been a big-time plus player for the Nuggets in the playoffs. But for last night, he was minus 15. No one on the Nuggets was even close to that except Contavious Caldwell-Pope who also had a bad game, and he was minus 14 in 36 minutes. But minus 15 in 26 minutes is even worse than minus 14 over 36. Every Nugget bench player was plus. Jeff Green, plus 12 in 16 minutes. Bruce Brown, plus 14 in 27 minutes. Christian Brown, who especially in the first half, was fantastic. I thought he spearheaded that 40-14 to run. Incredible. I thought he was the best player on the floor during that run for almost a quarter. And he played most of that time. He was on the floor. 
and Malone left him in. Good for Malone. And he ended up getting 15 minutes of playing time, which, under the circumstances, quite a bit more than he's been playing. He played, what, eight minutes, game one? Played twice as much last night. Good for Malone. I thought Malone's use of personnel and even his use of timeouts, and we'll talk about the timeout he didn't use at the end of the game, that's what he's getting criticized for. That's that's the one thing I, or one of the few things I thought he did right last night. You don't call plays at the end of the game and expect to come out. Well, well what are people expecting? They come out and get a wide open three. We'll talk about that more later. But the bench was was fine. Miami's bench was better in the second half. Robinson scored all ten of his points in the fourth quarter. He was terrific in the fourth quarter. Lowry was solid. Nine points, three assists. But you know what? Lowry was a minus 15 in 24 minutes. He just said Porter was minus 15 in 26. Highsmith didn't score last night after 18 points in game one. So he only played six minutes last night. You put people like that in the game the first time, if they're ineffective, and he was minus 17 in those six minutes. You get him out, you don't put him back in. Not his night. He's a bench player. So you manipulate a little bit. Robinson gets 17 minutes. Martin, who wasn't great, was at least decent last night. He didn't hurt him. So he gets 21 minutes. Lowry gets 24 minutes. And all of them were better in the second half than they were in the first. But you're going to have to live with the fact that this team, for whatever its numbers were during the regular season on the three-point ball, they, they're going to make close to four out of every ten threes over the course of a series. From one game to the next, that percentage may fluctuate, but that's what they're going to do. The good news for the Nuggets last night on offense They shot 52% from the field. Here's the bad news. They only took 75 shots last night. In large part because they turned it over 13 times. It's too many. The pace of the game was slow. 23 assists, 13 turnovers. That's not like the Nuggets. The Nuggets in game one had 29 assists and 10 turnovers. You know why? Because the pace of the game was better. It was their pace in game one. Their rhythm, their pace. They actually shot a higher percentage from the field last night. But they took fewer shots. They actually got to the foul line more last night than they had in game one. And they did well at the foul line, 19 for 22. Difference was Miami went from two free throw attempts to 20 free throw attempts. And made 18 out of the 20 and made everyone that mattered. Did they or did they not down the stretch? Yeah, they sure did. And Jimmy Butler talked about it after game one, that they had to be more aggressive. They were more aggressive. And he was. Now, he still struggled a bit with his shot, but he made a big three-pointer last night. He got to the basket. He got to the foul line. He made his free throws. And boy, was Spolster smart to start Kevin Love who played 22 minutes and was plus 18. Six points, 10 rebounds, an assist, and two steals. No turnovers. He was a steadying force, and physically he matched up against Gordon. All right, we've got a text. 
We do. You had mentioned uh, that Malone might have been talking about Michael Porter Jr. And that's exactly what Roger said. Roger said, uh, Malone's problem is there's never a mea culpa. It's obvious he was pointing his finger at Porter. Yeah. And I agree with Roger. There's an element always, especially after losses, I coached great and they played bad. And you can do that a handful of times every year. He does it far too often. That's his go-to move. No effort, no energy. Well, why would that be? Now, I know Jeff Green backed him up in the locker room after the games. He was one of the few people who was made available. Good for him. Or who chose to be available, I guess I should put it that way. But you have to look at a playoff series as one of adjustments and counter-adjustments to the adjustments you make. And sure, within a game, sometimes it's hard to make those adjustments. When you've played one way in the first game and it worked pretty well, and then in the second game, It's human nature, maybe to get a little happier than you should be. I thought Malone was right between games on one thing. Don't go on social media, don't read the papers, and don't listen to the talk shows unless it's this one or shows on this station, where from what I heard the other day, not just on our show but from virtually every show on this station, people were saying that it's ridiculous to say the series is over after one game. Now, we all pretty much think the Nuggets are going to win this series, and I still think the Nuggets are going to win this series, and I would even dare say they have a decent chance to do it in the five games that many of us, most of us, predicted for this series. Might go six. Might even go seven. That's what the home court advantage is for. Problem is the Heat have been a very good road team in these playoffs. Problem with playing Miami, unlike Minnesota, Miami won't quit. Unlike Phoenix, Miami won't quit. Unlike the Lakers, Miami won't quit. Now, yeah, there are exceptions to that. But tell me, beyond Anthony Edwards, was there anybody else you worried about? Danny against Minnesota. Apart from Edwards, and maybe Towns at times. No. Offensive. Not against A guy could hurt you on either end of the floor. One guy for sure, Edwards, and maybe Towns at times. Second round, beyond, especially when Paul got hurt, beyond Booker and Durant, who'd you have to worry about? Nobody. Nobody. Against the Lakers, beyond LeBron and Davis, maybe Reeves, but really basically LeBron and Davis. Don't have to worry about anybody. Against Miami, they make made you last night worry about six guys. Yeah, just about everybody. Maybe seven. Certainly in the second half, just about everybody they played had an impact on their winning the game. Such so a different team. With with Malone though, it's 
it's always this extreme reaction after losses. And then the rest of the atmosphere around here after game one, and, uh, you know, it comes from otherwise intelligent people. I'm not belittling the intelligence of anybody. I'm just saying if we're going to pay attention to this supposed national narrative that the Nuggets don't deserve any respect, therefore they don't get any respect, if we buy into that, we think the national narrative on the Nuggets is nonsense much of the time, then we have to say that those who pronounce the series over were being just as silly and just as stupid as the national folks were. That's just cheerleading the other way. Instead of favoring most every team the Nuggets play, then you're saying as soon as the Nuggets win a game at home, the series is over. Just because the other series were all 2-0 after two games. We'll come back. A lot to talk about. And again, your phone calls and your texts at 303-831-1340. Sandy Clough, Sean Brochar off today. Sean will be returning tomorrow right here on Mile High School. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Sandy Clough, Sean Rotar. Sean is off today. We'll be returning tomorrow. Rick Perea on Wednesday afternoon in advance of game three. Heat and Nuggets now tied at one game apiece. George Carl on Thursday afternoon between games three and four. Someone will lead this series. Two games to one. And for the first time in these playoffs, the Nuggets in game three will be playing in a series that is tied. They've been up 2-0 in every one of the other three. Of course, they had not lost at home in the playoffs. In fact, they had not lost at home since March. No home losses in April. No home losses in May. But in June. The Nuggets are now at home. One win and one loss as we speak to you on this fifth day of June 2023. The Nuggets were 37-1. and one. This year with an eight-point lead or more going into the fourth quarter. Now they're 37 and two. Before last night, they were 11 and0 in the playoffs when leading by 10 or more points at any time during the game. Last night up by as many as 15 late second quarter, but They basically got lulled to sleep and the pace slowed to a crawl for almost the next 26 minutes of the game. A little more than 25 and a half minutes.
Miami outscored Denver after the Nuggets had taken a 50-35 lead late in the second quarter, 72-45. To be exact, that came over a period of 25 minutes, 32 seconds. And it took the heat from a 15-point deficit to a 12-point lead, a 27-point turnaround. I can't remember the last time over a period of similar duration that the Nuggets were outscored, especially at home, by as wide a margin as that. 72 to 45. They finished the first quarter. The Nuggets did with a rush. They finished the third quarter by expanding their lead out from two points to eight in the final minutes of the third quarter. Finishing off quarters, big deal in the playoffs. The Nuggets played the last three minutes, 13 seconds, with a 13-4 scoring advantage on the Heat. If you finish three out of the four quarters, as well as the Nuggets finished, and those quarters, especially are quarters one, three, and four, you should win the game. They did not. They did not because in between all of those, they were getting outscored 72-45. to For more than half the game, the Nuggets are a better basketball team in terms of size, in terms of strength, in terms of skill. They are a better basketball team. Nikola Jokic is basically unguardable. But the key in the playoffs seems to be, if you're playing the Nuggets, keep Murray from wrecking the game, along with Jokic, who's always going to be a factor in one or two areas and most of the time in three areas offensively, scoring, playmaking, and rebounding. Yes, even offensive rebounding. He is a master at keeping the ball alive and converting either via the pass or the shot. There weren't a lot of offensive rebounds last night because both teams shot well. Heat shot 49% on 38 of 78. The Nuggets shot 52% on 39 of 75. The difference in the game was the three ball, 17 of 35 for Miami, 11 of 28 for Denver. Now, the Nuggets didn't shoot nearly as well from three-point land in game one. They went from eight for 27 in game one to 11 for 28 in game two. But the big advantage that the Nuggets had at the foul line, 16-2 to in game one on free throws. Last night, the Nuggets had 19 points at the line, and the Heat had 18 points at the line. 9-8, Nuggets on offensive rebounding. Nuggets turned the ball over two more times and had five fewer assists. The Heat played their game. They played at their pace, so they were more comfortable. Their assist-to-turnover ratio was about 2.5 to 1. The Nugget assist-to-turnover ratio was not even close to 2-1. to one. The Nuggets did not handle the ball well. They were not as fundamentally sound as they were in Game 1. A little strange because you would have thought in Game 1 they would have been a little sloppier, right? Turn the ball over more. No, they had 10 turnovers in Game 1, 29 assists. What happened to the ball movement last night? 
Here's one of the other factors, too. Denver three and seven. Danny Bailey in this in this in in the regular season when Jokic had five assists or fewer. Three and seven. Now, I know there isn't necessarily a strategy for keeping him at five assists or fewer. But wow, if you can somehow do that and Five assists is not a bad game. Here was the problem last night, though. He had four assists and five turnovers. There, what was it in the first game? 14 to 2, right? 14 assists, two turnovers. Game two, four assists, five turnovers. Now, some of that's on him, but a lot of it is on even when he had the ball. They were able to force him into a few more mistakes than he usually makes, and he wasn't nearly able to make the passes. The shots, 16 for 28. How many shots did he take in game one? 12? Took 28 last night. You want to make him into a volume shooter, even knowing he's going to make a very high percentage of those shots. Obviously, in the 40-plus point games in the playoffs, He's shooting a lot better than he does in the wins. But you make him into a volume shooter, a volume shot maker, and the other four guys are standing around. And in the main, the other four starters did not play well last night. The Nuggets got outplayed. Yeah, they got out-hustled. And when you get outplayed and you get out-hustled, The other team gets some bounces, and the Heat certainly got some bounces last night. Remember when Butler missed that shot? Rebound bounced right back to him in the final minutes of the game. Throws it in the corner. Martin catches it and makes his only three of the night. Maybe the difference in the game. In a three-point game, that sequence right there might have been the difference. There was a sequence with 9-17 left in the fourth quarter. Remember this, Danny? The Nuggets picked up their 15 foul. That's Barely two and a half minutes into the quarter, they're already in the penalty. They committed five fouls. I think that was when Caldwell Pope fouled Lowry on a three-pointer. They're over the limit. So Miami shooting, they were never over the limit the other night. Miami shot two free throws the whole game. They were never even close to being over the limit. Last night in the fourth quarter with the game tightening, actually Miami went ahead to stay less than two minutes into the fourth quarter. The Nuggets committed five fouls in two minutes, 43 seconds. To me, that's high anxiety. And when your coach is raging, not only during the game, but between games, oh, we didn't play very well. That's high anxiety. Actually, uh, I will stand corrected. The uh, KCP foul on Lowry came with 5.26 left in the game, and Miami had 98-93. But he makes all three foul shots. Five-point game becomes an eight-point game. And they win by three points. You do the math. Five goes to eight. You lose by three. On a silly foul that no one in his right mind or her right mind would dispute. 
And, oh, by the way, Miami zone was kind of effective in the fourth quarter, wasn't it? Because it slowed the game down to Miami's pace. Miami scored 36 in the fourth quarter. They loved the pace. Denver got 25 in the fourth quarter and 23 in the first quarter. That was the difference in the game. At the beginning and at the end, Miami had the tempo going their way. Now, it wasn't as slow as molasses tempo, but it was Miami's pace. The Nuggets in the middle two quarters outscored the Heat 60-49. to If over two consecutive quarters you have more than 60, 60 or more, and they have 50 or fewer, you're doing okay. But, again, I would say, what do you think? We'll come back on the other side. That's why they kind of lost the game, too, because it should have been more one-sided than 60-49 to in the middle two quarters. That's when they could have broken the game open. And as much as the Heat scored in the fourth quarter, 36 of their 111 points, it wouldn't have been enough had the Nuggets had more than an eight-point lead going to the fourth quarter, and they should have had more than an eight-point lead going to the fourth quarter. I think you're taking winning for granted when, as a coach, you say between games, after a win in the NBA Finals, we did not play well. I think you're taking winning for granted at that point. And I think the other team hears that. I know if I were a player on the opposing team, I'd hear that, and I'd say, I'll show you what it looks like when the Denver Nuggets play badly. You thought they played badly in game one? We have some things we can do in game two. You read the story about Jimmy Butler working out up at CU on Saturday night? I didn't see that, no. Nine o'clock at night. He's up in Boulder working out. Yeah. Working on touch shots from in close. Working on getting to the line maybe a little more, being a tad more aggressive. He was aggressive last night without being reckless. And when he had to score some in the fourth quarter, when the game, I mean, had taken the lead, but it was still, you know, in a two to four point range, he came through. And only Jokic was there for the Nuggets. Butler had plenty of help. Coaching problem, player problem, combination of both. We'll talk about Michael Porter's disappearing act when we continue right here with our number two just ahead on Mile High Sports.